When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. episode of bench with bubba episode 594 gonna recap the week 12 fab talk about some uh, interesting fantasy lineup situations potentially brewing on the diamond and in order to do that i have the lineup expert the guru the man himself joining me on the show the guy that joins me pretty much weekly outside of a rare occasion here and there you can find him on twitter at mike underscore curlin mike curlin how we doing my friend always fun and excited to be here bubba even though i completely forgot about us recording this today (laughs) whoops it's all good. It's all good. We're, we're on time. We're good. Um, let's get into the news and notes. Though, we have a lot to do here. And the fab's actually interesting this week. Well, because it wasn't big spending, it was more kind of filling in the gap spending, which was very interesting. So let's talk some news and notes here. Lars Newbar, he returned on Monday, hit third for the Cardinals. The reason why this is pretty interesting to me, like Luke and Baker got sent back to AAA. That kind of makes sense. But you have Jordan Walker, who's actually hitting really well. You obviously have Dylan Carlson, who had the day off because he's dealing with a quote-unquote injury. Um, you have tons of options. Tommy Edmonds, the starting center fielder all of a sudden, which I don't think anybody took that bingo card to start the season. Dylan Carlson's there. Oscar Mercado's still on the club. They have every outfielder you could have. Like Even if you look at their roster research page, they don't have an infielder on the bench, technically. Edmond would be that dude. So um, Or even Dylan Carlson, I guess. What are you seeing when you look at this Cardinals team from a fantasy perspective with all the people with their hands in the cookie jar? It's going to get back to being messy. I mean, Jordan Walker is on absolute fire right now, hitting on that pedigree a bit, so he's not going anywhere. So he's going to DH slash play the outfield. He's another player that could he could play the infield, though. You mentioned hitters that could play the infield. Walker does have experience, I believe, at third base. So third base, he could, yeah. in theory, he could fill in there as needed. But other than that, I mean, it's a typical uh, – Dylan Carlson, Edmund factor. Because the thing is, is Edmund could easily go back to second sooner than later if they, like, especially if uh, O'Neill can return ever <laughs> and other things. It's just like his Gorman's playing absolute terribly. So his defense isn't a plus. The bat is really bad right now. I think last I checked in June, he's striking out nearly 50% of the time. It's almost like full give back month is happening right now for Gorman. And you're seeing the strikeout rate overall creep back to the 30% line, which is something you don't want to see. The power is legit, but when you're swinging and it's not even just like swing and miss like we're talking chase chasing more the swing strike rate was i think 19 percent. i look looked at this yesterday it's always why i can quote this off the top of my head uh for the month of june i'm so speaking of with gorman so 
you're at the added swing and misses there. It's evident he's chasing more, maybe starting to press because he's starting to struggle a little bit. Gorman also just I know so many deep dive on him. There's just one of those things again, all the information's there. So oh, and like the, the, the O swing, the chasing the you know, the swing outside of the zone rate. He's swinging outside the zone. I think it was like sorry, his O contact. I apologize. He has above he he's he's swinging outside the zone more than average. That's probably a given considering I mentioned the swing and miss, but the O contact, which is contact he makes on said pitches has gone down so he's become more aggressive in terms of willingness to swing outside the zone without making the same or more contact he's making i think only 39 percent contact on pitches outside the zone this was entering yesterday so i don't know how much more it's gone up or down but that's not good league average is about 62 percent, i believe it was on those types of pitches so he's about he's about 50 percent as good he's like 50 percent below average right now on those pitches outside the zone so you're swinging more you're making less contact you're swinging and missing more in the zone in general it's a bad combination of things right now for gorman maybe he's a little lost maybe pitchers have adapted there's a lot going on there you knew pitchers would adapt to because oh he's succeeding how can we take advantage of that so it's gonna be up to him to readapt but at the end of the day gorman is kind of someone i'm kind of concerned about with playing time i know he's already fallen back into a platoon of sorts in terms of going back to his strong side platoon no longer facing lefties you know we saw him face lefties for a little small period there so at the end of the day though that outfield's a mess new bars gonna come back and probably play every day he slotted right back into the top three spot for a reason uh, I, I just I think Edmonds glove will keep him in if nothing else. Even I know his bat his bat has been awful as well, but the glove. If if you're looking at two guys struggling, you're gonna keep the guy with the better glove in there. So Edmund can easily go back to second. Alfred Carlson, if he's gonna hit, if he starts hitting again or picks right back up where he left off before he went on the IL or sorry before he missed a few days, uh, Edmund uh, Carlson can easily slot into the outfield again as well. And it, it's gonna become I think I think Newt Bar safe. I think ultimately it's gonna be Edmund Carlson and. And um, what's his face? Gorman, that could be kind of playing around, fighting for that playing time. I would have said, uh, what's his face? Uh, Donovan. <laughs> well, there's a lot of what's his faces on this team. There's a ton of what's his faces on the Cardinals. But Donovan has been playing very well. He's leading off regularly now. He's back to hitting well. It's almost like he gave up the power stroke for going back to his more of like, I'm going to just hit and get on base approach. And you're seeing the batting average creep back up. You're seeing him have a really strong month of June, but without the power. And it's almost like he reverted back to the player he was probably because he realized the power stroke although it was giving donovan success initially i think it i think pit players or pitchers were able to kind of exploit that and maybe he just didn't like the fact that he wasn't being as helpful to his team there's a lot of things or a comfort level thing sometimes it takes more than one offseason to gain a comfort a level of comfort with a new approach or it just wasn't working for him either way you're seeing donovan kind of become at least the player he was last year which is good for him, not so much for fantasy, good for the Cardinals as well. So at the end of the day, as long as that bat is playing the way it's playing, it's hard to sit that. And that's why I'm like those three. I know it's a long-winded answer, but I think it's really a – it's going to be a bit of a mess between Carlson. I think Carlson is the first one to lose playing time, followed by uh, Gorman. And I think Edmund is probably the safest, again, considering just how good the glove is. So out of all that, you think Walker's locked in right now the way he's playing? You're not sitting Walker right I know. now. He's, he's on fire since he got. Not only is he on up. fire, not only is he on fire, but he's you don't call him back up to sit him. It was it was always the argument. It's you don't just call the Cardinals him. though. This is the Cardinals. Let's let's clarify something. That's fair. That's fair. But I I don't think that he called him back up. Like there's one thing if he if he was ice cold, then maybe he goes back into that weak side platoon and then back down again. Almost the same pattern of like they let him get some run. He was struggling. They cut down his run, his playing time, and they sent him down. I think, but right now, again, you're you're seeing too much good 
uh, with Walker. I think Walker's very safe right now. Maybe it's a short leash, but I think it's very. I think he's very safe for at least the rest of the month. And then from there, I mean, that's another two through what two weeks roughly. At least yep. he, I think he has. I think he has a. Uh, even if he went on a bit of a slow stretch, I think he'd be safe. But maybe he plays five out of seven instead of seven out of seven during that run. You know what I mean? Like maybe he loses an extra game or gets an extra game of rest against a tough righty. Stuff like that could start happening for him. But I think right now he's playing every day, just especially with how good he's playing or hitting. That's fair. Uh, let's stick with the Cardinals real quick. Matthew Libertor, um, it has not gone as planned for those that spent money on Matthew Libertor. First it was, could he start? Who knows? Then it was, he was mediocre at best the way I saw it over the last few starts. And then you tweeted out some stuff about some velocity issues. So what's your take on Matthew Libertor right now? Because like Steven Matz is garbage too, but he's in the bullpen. He could take Libertor's spot. We're looking at the uh, like even the minor leagues for the Cardinals, there don't appear to be any like great ops like Dakota Hudson's out there and stuff. I don't, there's nothing screaming, come take my spot in the rotation. I think this is a team that needs to make a trade for pitching if they really want to contend because they have a bunch of like SP3s and worse, you know what I mean? Like SP3, SP5, they don't have that ace, they don't have that workhorse guy. And Libertor, I bought into the you know, I bought into the hype like you, I know we both did, and it oh, was zero shares. Zero oh me too shares. oh yeah I, I have zero shares because i was i spent that money elsewhere prior to his call-up i was saving money for him though i can't even act like i wasn't i was really in on like oh he's throwing 90s and he was consistently throwing like 97 96 just higher 90s was was really killing it in the minors i was like okay he's kind of reinvented himself because libertor was a former like solid up, upper tier prospect i believe if, I, if memory serves for like the, yes. for the raise right yep and the raise delta and whatever so maybe that should be the red flag the raise dealt a pitcher yeah bingo but I bought it again. We saw we're talking a guy who made notable gains in velocity, was sustaining those gains, came up and showed them initially, right? Well, then the last three starts, we've seen the velocity dip notably, like more than a mile per hour, almost across the board, but on the on the on the fastball and stuff. So now he's becoming more of like a like not the hardest not not the hardest tossing lefty, not so, not necessarily a soft tossing lefty. He's no Logan Allen, but he's he's just I, I feel like he i feel like libertor was a pitcher that needed that velocity in order for his stuff to play up so over the last three starts when i noticed the velo dip he struggled the start before that as well but the last three starts have been like the biggest dip in the velocity in terms of being like down a mile power plus seven era uh, fip and xfip high fives and a sierra 5.53 a whip of 1.71 so even with the bad velocity he's he's allowing a lot of hits walks obviously blah 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 the k minus walk rate 4.5%. Yes, you heard me. 4.5, not 14. Yeah, it's not good, folks. <laughs> yeah, good. I think we, again, it's better than Alec Manoa, but it's not good. I think we hit barely. And that's <laughs> a bad and that's the bad thing. And over the last three starts, he's only he only has 14 innings pitched, so he's not even averaging five innings a, a, a start right now. He's allowing a ton of contact overall and hard contact at that. So that's part of the issue here. And if his stuff isn't going to play up because of velocity, he needs to be better at commanding it. And right now he obviously just isn't in terms of because he's getting hit hard out, which means you're leaving too much over the plate. I can probably go look at I can look at the more in depth. I can probably go look at the, the scatter plots and all that and, sh- and or the pitch plots and see all that. But I'm, it's just an educated guess, given the issues. With that said, Libertor is 15 team. He's a bench, maybe stream off your bench type of guy. 12s. I, I think we talked about this in the discord a little bit that depending on how what's on the waiver wire, he could be a drop. I obviously the upside is there, but right now things are trending the wrong direction. I think he, I think Libertor's production will come and go as his velocity comes and goes. So his velocity is not there. I, and maybe he's injured or maybe he can't, maybe he's just fatiguing because it's his first year with that increased velo. And it's kind of, you know, we're, we're coming, I bet you between his minors and majors, what is he at close to hundred innings, give or take? 
Uh, let me check for you real quick. I'm saying we could probably look it up on the fly if we were smarter. Yeah, I got or it right I could have. I got it right here. Um, Libertor between AAA and the bigs, he's thrown 71 innings. So 71 innings. So he's, so he's still short of 100 innings, but we're talking about a and guy. La- that, and last year he threw almost 150 between AAA and, and the majors. I'm just more so concerned of how, ma- how much of this new velocity over this period of time like is he just fatiguing that's what i'm getting at like maybe it's one of those things where next year he comes out throwing just as hard again or maybe he finishes the year he could be going through a dead arm phase there's a lot of ifs here and the problem is is or if there's just a lot of question marks not even ifs there's a lot of question marks and that there's there's reason for concern with libertor so the innings aren't a concern I, i never really questioned the innings pitch i was more so just curious how this new velocity would hold up over a full season. We see players fatigue when they start throwing more velocity. We see players not be able to make a full season uh, throwing that same velocity, and they'll start dipping as the season goes. I think Lazardo was a guy that last year ramped up, the, ramped up the velo, lost it a little bit, got injured in between, came back, and the velo never actually regained full form. This year, he regained form in the velo in the offseason and carried that over so far to this point in the year. So maybe this is a Libertor going that Lazardo route of had the velo, kind of starting to lose it because maybe he's fatiguing, Next year, he can pick back up, and maybe he could be one of those late-round DC types, streamer types that give you a little more. You know, next year's Justin Steele, so to speak. I don't know. It's, it's high praise, but you get my point. A guy that's just going really late that you're picking up to see where it goes, and it actually works out. I think maybe we were just a year early on Libertor, because I don't think that Velo was a – the velocity for me, I don't think was a fluke. I don't think it was an accident. I, I think it's something that he can hone back in on. It's just a matter of if or when he does it. Like – and again, it depends. Is he pitching through something right now? Is he a little injured? It's just a lot of question marks. But at the end of the day, you can't really start him right now. No, you can't start him at all. There's a handful of guys like that. We won't get into all of them, but I want to bring a lever towards because of the hype that came behind him. And then you you mentioned some stuff on him the other day. And something you mentioned there towards the end is we might be a year early because it's a great comp to Jesus Lazardo. It's a very good comp because Libertor had that prospect pedigree as well. All the good stuff. Uh, just for fun for Cardinals fans that are loving life right now. The um, Cardinals acquired Matthew Libertor by trading Randy Rosarena and Jose Martinez and a competitive balance 38th overall pick to Tampa Bay. Just throwing that out there for those that uh, wanted a little more sunshine on their day. Um, let's go to the Cincinnati Reds because this is a fun one. We, we debated on Twitter. We talked about it in our discords and everything else. And then I mentioned I was doing the cheat sheet for our DFS thing, and I mentioned it in the DFS part of the chat. This is going to get annoying as hell with this team because we already joked like we're ces gonna go there's nowhere for him to go without platooning um jake fraley and tj friedel are already pretty much in a platoon they don't start for his lefties which is tilting i know they're i know fraley's numbers aren't great but let's just be real fraley's better than pretty much any other option they put out there most Stuart fairchild is the best all right yeah i know exactly <laughs> will benson's been playing great he's gonna get platooned out because this all started when joey Votto returned on monday he had a home run had a great game awesome you love Mike to see is- it my concern I mentioned, though, because they were facing Gomber, you had Newman leading off. You had Stuart Fairchild in the outfield. You had Nixon Zell back. You had this whole – steer in the outfield with, with Votto at first. You had Indy at DH. You had all these situations, right-handed heavy lineup outside of Votto pretty much. And then I mentioned in the DFS chat, and we'll just be ready. This feels like a Giants thing where they're going to get subbed out when the pitchers change. When Gomber left the game, Friedel and Fraley came in immediately. So why I bring this up this is going to be insanely annoying to set lineups in fantasy when you see lefties on the agenda. I know we only have one game sample here, Curlin, but I don't see this changing anytime soon. So how are you approaching this from a fantasy perspective? So as long as Friedel and Fairley are on the team, expect them to be in pretty strict platoons. I think they've been like that for the most part too this year. I know Friedel has kind of, Friedel has been kind of in and out of the platoons, but 
at the end of the day, these guys are going to be platooning. They're going to get the strong side, which is great. But as you mentioned, they can also lose at bats mid game due to platoons now too. Like before, they kind of—I don't recall seeing them get pinch hit much for when when a lefty comes in. No, although they, it can it happen. Last night, yeah. But last night was like, well, and they come in again. Like they, Stuart Fairchild was never more than a lefty platoon bat type of thing. So he's going to be the first. He'll be the first. He's useless. Senzel is where I'm curious to see how that fall, that falls out because yes. Senzel, I think he's going to be relegated to a weak side platoon at this point slash depth play across the infield outfield because Senzel's only started. I mean, he's, he was injured. So he, he, yeah. he started only one of the last two against righties. So we'll see how that playing time shakes out, especially now with Votto back because Votto allowed some flexibility, but now you have steer who's playing every day. Who's going to be moving. He's been playing the outfield more. You have, you have Votto at first, obviously the infield is McLean, India and Ellie, depending on where they play on any given night. The DH allows for all these guys to play, though. That's the thing. So as long as the DH isn't being utilized for one of the infielders, you should be able to get Fraley probably DHing most nights, Benson in the outfield, and uh, Friedel in the outfield against righties with Steer. That's the thing. Steer can DH first base, and and that's well, where CS comes in. the infield almost outside of shortstop. Steer's everywhere. That's what I'm saying. So Steer could probably still keep his everyday role. Don't see that going anywhere. It's more so Senzel. I'm questioning his role with the rest of them kind of having a role. I think right now you're. I think we're good. It's the problem is is because as long it depends on how the DH is utilized. I think the DH could be utilized to help rotate people in. But I think you're going to see a lot of Vado and Steer there as well as Steer in the outfield, which is going to help Senzel stay in. It's going to be a whole thing. But then Stevenson also DHs, even though he probably shouldn't at this point because he's been pretty awful with the bat. But at the end of the day, if they really wanted to bring CES up, they're getting CES reps in the outfield. CES could play the DH and and uh, he could almost him steer and Votto can play every day and kind of rotate, keep people healthy. Like between first base, DH and outfield, those three could still play every day. Right now, there's room. But that's the issue is um, there's no Senzel is probably the main squeeze here. And then those outfielders, there's so many. They're just those three and Friedel, Benson and Fraley are just going to be strict, strong sign guys. It's a good problem to have in real life annoying for fantasy and then this week you mentioned it i think the i think the, the reds have three lefties on the schedule yep. so you really these guys are no more than streamers off your bench in in, in 15s even so yep. in 12s it's hard to roster them unless you really have strong feelings about one or the other and like it's hard i, I feel like you're i feel like a fraley and a friedel because of where they bat and line up when they are in against righties are deserving of a bench spot and you utilize them and employ them out against righties because and most you know most of the weeks you're going to get five out of six righties or yeah. you know four out of six on a bad week usually this is a really bad week anything less than four righties in a week is usually pretty bad but you can almost trust fairly throw them out there most weeks even if it's like two lefties and a righty in a period i'm sorry two righties and a lefty in a period because you know he's gonna start those two righties and then come in and pinch it against the lefty so he's not gonna get complete zero at bats that game yeah like monday night he came in and yeah. pinch hit and stole a base so like and that so you have to but that's that honestly we have to kind of adapt to this as fantasy managers this is a that's this kind is of where kind of i was the, going this with is this. the this new is norm yeah. this is the new norm across most teams like you're having a lot of teams getting a very very uh platoon heavy and to a point where it's like the twins are like this the giants are like this the rays are like this guys that start the game don't necessarily finish the game josh Lowe has been pinch hit for in game plenty of times he also comes in so it's almost like it balances out like you out of three games, you might get two games worth of plate appearances, so to speak, for some of these guys. And that's where it's like, how do you treat a Josh Lowe? You know what I mean? Like a Josh Lowe gets really tough because he can be really elite per plate appearance. But now you're getting less total plate appearances compared to a player that's going to like an everyday player that can get three. 
So it's one of those things where you have to start adjusting your expectations for players. Also, that's where that's why I, in, I have a hard time with in-season projection systems for hitters, especially for certain hitters. Some hitters it can be pretty useful for hitters. We like these guys that we're talking about. It gets really difficult to. I wonder how much of that's baked into the projection. Can they really project partial game at bats, or are they just going to do what I said, kind of three games, give them two full, give them eight at bats over three games type I'd of thing? Imagine, that, I'd imagine it's that kind of angle. I would, I would think so too, but it's still tough. And then on top of that, it's so granular with like matchup base and it's a pain to try to deal with. And then what if they don't get those at bats? Cause yeah. say the lefty reliever comes in after a lefty starter. So they get one at bat instead of two that game or the other day, Kyle Lewis sat, but, and we're gonna get to him shortly, but he came in and had three plate appearances still, even though he sat. So how do you project? It's so tough to project and teams. Some teams are worse than others. The Giants aren't the worst anymore, which is wild to me. I think the Twins yeah, are. They're not, I, I mentioned <laughs> that. I'm like, they're not as bad as they used to be at all. You could. I you think could it's they actually have. Them. I think it's because they actually have good players, like good yeah. enough players to not have to platoon every single player, every yeah. single position. But anyway, yeah. So it's uh, it's one of those things where you have to understand the team philosophies and which teams are more likely to do it, which ones are more prone to do it, and which teams have shown more of a track record of doing all this platoon mess going forward. So at the end of the day. The Reds are a headache, but you can manage them. I think they're better for you in deeper leagues where you it's easier to find a spot for you them on your bench to stream them off your bench type of thing. But none of these guys are set and forget types outside of those top four or five in that lineup. Votto's probably going to play every day. I mean, heck, Votto came back, started against a lefty. He's not platooning right then and there. Shows yep. you, you know, any of the home run off a lefty. It was Gomber, but it was still lefty. So you have that. And he hit three balls over 102 miles an hour. So he was just fine. His shoulder's fine. So, yeah, you have Votto, who's going to play every day. You have Steer, who's probably going to keep playing every day. McLean, India, Ellie, those five are playing every day. It's the outfield. So just yep. prep, just prepare for the outfield to be a merry-go-round of sorts. A week-to-week situation. This is why we know you rest of season questions. Yes. Um, real quick, though, you mentioned him, Joey Votto. Uh, how aggressive would you be on him on fantasy? Because I'm still like, it's one game, so I'm not trying to go crazy here. But we know how we've seen two years ago where Votto goes bonkers. Then we saw last year where he struggled, but then we find out he has a shoulder injury all season that we didn't really know about. So if he is healthy, assuming, like I said, he had three balls over 102, that's usually pretty healthy. Um, how are we looking at him? Because he's going to be on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues right now. Yeah, I want to get in on him. I really do, but I'm afraid he's going to cost more than he's worth because if he comes back. But here's the thing. When's the last time Votto played on a team this loaded with talent? Bingo. Like, there's guys on base he can actually drive in now. There's guys but he's also they're going to want to pitch to him. Like He's it's... batting sixth. He's batting fifth or sixth. In his, like, I think he batted sixth last night. So he's not even yeah, – ba- that's the thing. So he's not even – he's not in a prime lineup spot. You need to understand that. And that's going to that's gonna ding him a little bit because you would rather him bat fourth or fifth right behind the you know the big three young guys, India, McLean, and Elliott. You would love him right in that mix. But I think, I think it was Steer last night and then Votto. I'd have to double check. But at the end of the day – I do think that Votto is very intriguing, a six-hole hitter, but it's the fact that he's going to be an everyday hitter with Cincinnati as his home park, which kind of always goes back to tell me at what point at this point of the year, especially in deeper formats, do you find an everyday player off the waiver wire? That's it's really why, difficult. That's why I'm asking this. Uh, he's one um, percent rostered in twelve and OCs. He's eleven percent in mains, so he's going to be one of your big targets this week. Not you per se, but in general, he will be a topic of conversation next week. Yeah, and I'm not going to say I'm not in on them. I just don't know what I'm willing to bid because there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of players coming up. There's still a lot of players yet to come up. There's still there's a lot of factors behind my bidding right now. And I just wasted $6 on having Smith because we're going to talk about that as well. Yep, but um, I know we're getting there, but it's one of those things where I just like I'm still I'm still looking to stream players in and out. So I, I want to have money left over to keep streaming. I enjoy streaming. I think streaming is a very 
legitimate process to have in terms of like having a spot or two to just stream hitters, hot, cold hitters throughout a week. But Votto would obviously stop that. So it's a little give and take. You spend up a little bit to get them. You don't have as much money to stream, but you don't need to stream as much in theory. When you have but, a guy like Votto, because he could be like, we talk about those bench streamers. Like, even if he's not starting for the week, he's a dude you're not cutting either. So he's a, he's a, a there's value the there. Pie. There's yeah. value there because there's, um, it's one of those things where it's less mining the waiver wire. Like you kind of just have a guy there that you can set as needed for injuries or just plug them in and let them and see where it goes because it's Joey Votto. And if he has a, if he has like a road series, maybe sit him. You can, that's what I was talking about this in a different group chat about like how, and now I'm just going on tangent here, but the red starting pitchers are becoming like, for me, it's almost like Rocky starting pitchers where I don't want them because I can't trust to start them half their starts. Yeah, they're because if you, if you go look at their home road splits, almost all of them have like a three-yard difference between their home and road numbers. So I'm I'm kind of like going forward, it's almost like treating them like Herman Marquez, where everyone's going to start drafting them. Except like Hunter Green looked great, but Hunter Green on the road looks is what looks great when you look at the overall no- underlying numbers for Green. Even last night, last I checked, it was like a huge difference in home road numbers. So that's why I'm like I can't. No matter how good they are, I'm just that ballpark plays up to be more hitter friendly. The cores, given the dimensions of it. And the, and the and the humidors and all that i'm i'm kind of i know it's a whole other discussion point but i'm not targeting cincinnati pitching anymore i'm not you i don't care how good they are you shouldn't remember how good graham ashcraft was in the uh in scottsdale this year that turned out pretty good and in scottsdale you could hit it in too but wait till i got to great american small park yeah. it's just one of those things yeah all the but all of them all of them yeah. struggled at home more hunter green again as good as hunter green that's was. why well this is why i was so baffled a few weeks ago when we talked about ben lively when he goes at home against like the yankees and so I'm like what and he's starting to get hit around a little more now and tonight tuesday night he faces the rockies and great americans i'm curious to see how this one plans out but uh it's not a place you want to put pitchers at all not, not a chance um a couple other ones here Henry Davis got called up. He was the first overall pick in the 2021 draft by the Pirates as a catcher, by the way. But they have him playing in right field, and they already said he's going to pretty much play most of his time in right field. It's, it's just kind of a point I wanted to bring up to people. So you're going to get a catcher-eligible player playing nearly every day, not at catcher is the reason I brought this up. Doubled in his first at-bat on Monday. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say because, you know, I've preached Yainar Diaz. You've been on Miguel Amaya. There's been Patrick Bailey. I tweeted it out just the other day. We and Bo Naylor just got called up. We're getting all these catchers now, which goes back to last season where you can almost stream catchers or at least, you know, play him for a couple of weeks, get a new guy, play for a couple of weeks, play matchups for the most part. And uh, Davis just kind of hits that mix again. See, I'm upset because I liked Yanner Diaz and I think I was the runner up bid in my league form. The, oh, I, have the, so the week. Much, I have so much Yanner Diaz. I'm so happy. I have him on my best DC, which is important because it's, it's top 50 in the overall. So that was a nice little bump there because I had Blake say him and Blake Sable were my catcher two and catcher three. So it actually worked out well really done. well. But because well Blake, because uh, Blake, you know, appreciate you, buddy, but he's tailed off. And yes, right as he tailed off, right as he's tailed off, Yanner shows, shows up and just does it. So it's been a nice catcher two between the two of them for sure. But that's neither here nor there. My main issue is is that I still need a catcher too. So obviously, I'm very intrigued by Henry Davis. That's no secret. I don't know what to expect with Benny. I'm having a hard time reading the market right now because Luis Matos, and we'll get to it later with the whole like this is how different the market's just like anywhere from like 150. It's like mm-hmm. five bucks, even in mains, which is wild because we're getting that weird part of the year in mains. It means it main events where the 15 teamers where teams are just running low on money. I have the third and fourth most fab in my league, and I have like 220 bucks. Like I, <laughs> that's where we're at. So it's like Henry Davis, as intriguing as he is, and the playing time is going to be there. And the fact that it's almost like Varsho, not saying he is Varsho, but 
obviously you look at the 2023 numbers, 11 home, 11 home runs and nine stolen bases across his two levels in a little over 220 play appearances. And this comes with decent plate approach, really good walk rate. And he's he got caught four times, so he's not the most efficient, but he he's good enough. And this team, we've seen the Pirates w- allow their players they to run steal. like crazy, yeah. So Henry Davis becomes very intriguing. The ballpark doesn't do many favors, but we're talking playing time and opportunity, and we're talking about catcher. He's up there in that conversation of those names you just mentioned, and a guy that another guy that like between him and Bottle, I'm very intrigued by this week. Yeah. Um, I'll probably be targeting both in Fab. That's not really again. It's not really a secret, but it's one of those no. things where I'm not sure what I want to spend on them. So I can't even give suggestions yet because it really right now we're at the point of the year where you have to really look at your team, look at your team needs, look at look at your uh, fab remaining fab in the league. Who else needs this position? What do they have left? Yada yada. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into this. So do all that homework, and then you can pretty much formulate a bid based on that. And the big thing is, is because he's because he's a catcher. He's not. I'm sorry, but Henry Davis isn't good enough. In my opinion, I don't think he's going to be good enough to be utilized elsewhere. Those stats are intriguing. I think it'll depend. But I think realistically, if you're not taking him as a catcher, he loses a lot of value. You know what I mean? Like yeah, Varsha I'm, not, I'm, not play, Varsha. I'm not playing him in the outfield. Yeah, he's a catcher for me. Varsha, I mean, because he does have a little power and speed, so you can't say the skill set wouldn't play everywhere else. But the, the bidding, you're, you can't be as aggressive as you're going to need to be on him Yes. With uh, in the bidding because catcher is where he's most valuable to fantasy formats. So... If you don't need him as a catcher, don't be aggressive, I would say, because I don't think he's difference-making enough. But because of what you're going to need to pay to get him is going to be a good chunk of what you have left remaining in fad, probably. So anyway, uh, that's Henry Davis. Yeah, there's a lot of intrigue there. Good but... point. It's a good point. So though. just, again, it's, it's all about knowing your team needs, but also knowing your league needs. I know there's like three other uh, rosters in this league that probably need a catcher, so I got to see. I got to go look more into that in my league. But, yeah, that's the thing. And also, I'm still – I have other names in mind, so Henry Davis isn't even a – like, oh, I got to get him. As much as I need a catcher, too. I've been having fun. It's weird, but I've been having fun streaming catcher, too. This, Dude, this it's year. great. I, like I said, I, I, I wrote it up every it's year fun. after the Black Book. And there's options because of the way teams run their catchers out. Well, now. A lot of, don't, it's, just, it's out there. Don't get me wrong. I wish I got Yander Diaz so I don't have to stream because that's one of those things where you hit like you hit on him, now you're holding. I haven't had that opportunity. Jan Gomes was fun for like a month, yep. and then he he's was scared. he's been bad. So And Amaya saved me. I think he played one game last week, but he had, or two games, but he hit a home run in like eight in like six play appearances. So that kind of salvaged the week because he got a home run out of him, but that was a bust of a, of a stream last week. But he wasn't. I also got outbid on the rest of my targets the week before. Uh, Yanner being one of them, I was like, if I don't get Yanner, I'll keep. I think it was what that's what it was. If I don't get Yanner, I'll keep Amaya for one more week. See where it goes. I think Amaya is going to be a solid catcher post trade deadline when they because I think Gomes is gone. You know. Yes. So yes. I think Amaya comes up and gets everyday run and it becomes the guy who's playing five out of seven or four out of seven. I should say as a catcher, maybe gets a DH uh, role here and there. Well, so little, Gomes. Uh, real quick, so, I just thought about this. It'll be interesting though with your Henry Davis discussion there. Um, there's a good chance Bo Naylor's available in some leagues this week, yeah. and that could offset things as well because he did get picked up in some leagues. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't like, and it, it, we'll talk about him in OCs. He was picked up in 144 OCs, so he's still out there in many that weren't eligible yet. It'll be the same for main events. There'll be a handful of leagues that'll still have Bo Naylor, which in those leagues that'll help offset your Henry Davis costs. Too bad he's already rostered in my league. Otherwise, uh, yeah, yeah. Trust me, I looked. I was like, Bonaler is not available. <laughs> like, no, because he's. I think he's rostered in sixty percent of mains already. So he's not going to be as readily available. But Henry Davis is one hundred percent. 
I'm just upset that I was I picked the wrong catching prospect from the from the Pirates. I was really in on Andy. Oh, dude, Andy, and, and the thing is, I've heard some people talk about it. They're still in on Indy, and that's why I think they're putting Davis in right field right now. Is they want well, his bat, they want his hit tool up here while Indy keeps working on his defensive skills at catcher type deals. But is what I heard, but who knows what's true and what's not. I, I don't know. All I know is that Andy is, you know, still he's showing himself a little pop, a little speed, but nothing crazy. We're talking only it's just and the good plate discipline still. He's getting some bad Babbitt, Babbitt luck, but I'm just wondering how long do we – he's not. He's just not doing enough with the bat right now, I think, is part of the issue for Andy. So. But just remember, Austin Hedges is around, and that can't last forever. So, like, this I mean, could be know, a, Austin Hedges and Mike Zunino were catchers for this year. It's, it feels like 2015 all over again, like, or 2016. Yeah, like, they've Zunino, they've been around, man. Jeez. It's been around. All right, let's talk Royce Lewis. You kind of hinted at him earlier. This has been a fun topic of conversation in chats and Twitter and everywhere else because – the dude's good, no denying that. The, the skills are great. They just haven't panned out consistently enough on the diamond yet, and people are getting restless because that's what people do. Over 59 plate appearances, he's hitting 281 with two home runs, zero stolen bases, and striking out 34% of the time. Those aren't great, but he's still very good, and I'm I'm in not in a panic mode at all if I have shares of Royce Lewis because, hey, what are the Twins going to do? But um, some people are saying he's a bust already. So what's your thoughts on Royce Lewis? I think there's always been a little bit of concern with the swing and miss outside of 2022, this very small sample at the major league level. He's always been a double digit swing strike guy. He's still there. So he's, he's worse than the average there, but while being that type of guy, Lewis can usually make a good amount of contact or at least good enough amount of contact to like where the skills or the tools outplay some of the metrics. He's just that type of player. Now this right now, what he's doing is unsustainable. So, and this is unbiased because obviously I am a Royce Lewis manager. He's, you know, chase rates at 40%, league average being like 31, 32. The contacts, contact rates are not great. He's just making the contact work for him. Like he's the contact he is making. It's it's a 400 Babbitt. There you go. That would explain it. He's always been, he's kind of a higher Babbitt guy, but not that high. But at the end of the day, he's got to probably, he's just, he's, pre- I think he's pressing. I think Lewis is pressing a bit, chasing more than he usually chases. He's always been aggressive though, because he swings a ton. Always at 50%. The, the two samples we have is always around 50% rate. So he's always a, a big swing guy. Um, I Obviously there's reasons for concern here a little bit, but at the end of the day, gotta be patient i mean i learned my lesson not being patient with christopher morell and that's kind of what i always just circle back to like i'm like i'm gonna i want to give a chance for the tools to play i think those these tools are legitimate and rather potentially like fantasy like they, they could be game not game changing but they could be not not league wins like right where do you just like a legitimate boot a big boost to your your offense a guy who could be difference i think difference making is a, is a fair way of describing lewis's potential with those tools but yeah we haven't seen them play up we saw him hit the two home runs early when he came up and that's kind of been it I, the good what the reason why i'm optimistic is because while struggling while pressing at the plate we're still seeing lewis hit 280 now will will that dip absolutely if he doesn't fix things but i i do believe that the skills are there to fix things and to be better than he's been so uh, just got to give him a chance to get acclimated to that major league pitching and i think lewis will be just fine but there is that off chance where we were a year early i think lewis was one of those things this could be this year's like where he comes up struggles gets sent back down and next year he's a huge draft discount when he shouldn't be there's a very good chance of that and it hurts to say that it pains me to say that because obviously i'm a lewis guy but realistically 24 years old just turned 24 uh showing some you know issues at the major league level but he could be he could easily be next year's Josh Lowe, Nolan Gorman. Easily. He can even easily. Oh, and, and before easily. that, he could still figure it out before he, he can still figure it out. 
But yeah. worst case scenario, he doesn't, and he's next year's draft value rookie. That like post hype, post post hype sleeper because or breakout, whatever you want to call it for fantasy. So yeah. he's not a guy that I'm giving up on at all, short term or long term. But if he if he keeps struggling short term, there could be uh, there could be a path to Lewis getting sent back down to the minors, like Jose Miranda has. You know, even though I think Miranda's turned it around. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm still optimistic i i do buy, i believe in the tools and the player more than if nothing else yeah i'm 100 with you i'm not giving up on lewis lewis yet dude's too talented uh for this little hiccup to take place doesn't help that the the twins all around him are pretty garbage right now too so makes life a little difficult uh last question i got for you here our last topic before we get into the fab of the week d-backs depth chart i just wanted to mention it because they sent josh rojas down to AAA on monday and they recalled alec thomas who went deep but more importantly Started in front of one Paven Smith yesterday. So you had Corbin Carroll, um, Alec Thomas, and Jake McCarthy in the outfield. To get With Paven Smith, you have four left-handed outfielders now, which makes platooning very complicated, one would say. Uh, Lourdes could play the outfield as a righty, but he's pretty much been DH only this season and for good reasons. So this it was one thing when you know you had other guys up there and Paven Smith could, could play. But now with um, Alec Thomas coming, who was playing great in AAA, by the way, he had three homers, two steals, hitting like three fifty four or something. Um, but he was walking or striking only fifteen percent at a, a nice ISO and right, almost a one thousand OPS. So Thomas was playing great in the PCL. So how do you go about this? And I ask this because you picked up Pavin Smith to stream this week, which before that move took place was a great streaming situation. But now there are questions on how this might play out. Yep, and I sat Pavin Smith even though he had four righties on the schedule Monday through Thursday, because I think at best right now, and Thomas Singh home run did him no favors. I think at best right now, Paven Smith is going to play two out of four. You know, you'll see Guriel get a day off, you know, Guriel DH yesterday. He's, he tends to get a day off and then you'll have Paven Smith play that fourth outfielder role, maybe back up first base. So in theory, I think there's a path to him playing these three games. If they plan on giving Guriel day off uh, Walker day off, and then maybe he plays the fourth outfield role and gets an outfielder spot for, and one of those guys get a day off. That's realistic. I didn't want to bet on that though, because think about how much has to go right for Payton Smith to get those three games, especially. And you mentioned there's no, they have all these off the options. I don't see. And Smith, the problem with Smith also defensively, he's a, he's a liability. He's not good in the field at any position from, uh, from like, he's like a negative one or negative two outs above uh, average in both first base and outfield. So one of those things, or at least, at least I think it was outfield this year. I'm not sure about first base. I think I'll double check that. But regardless, the glove hasn't been able to play up. And you have Alec Thomas, who we've seen flashes last night. He showed more flashes hitting that home run. But, and you mentioned his strong triple A. So Thomas has the glove and the bat is comparable, I think. Pam Smith isn't that good. He's a replacement level in real life and in fantasy. It was just one of those things where it's like, oh, seven righties. I want to get them. I made a point to go get them. And the next day, he's on my bench for Coco Montez, who can't hit his way out of a. He can't hit the broad side of a barn. He just can't. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm so upset because last night I was like, I'm like, all right, this is gonna be a fun one. You know, three games in Cincinnati and then three at home against Coors. Four lefties. He's a weak side platoon bet, but he's gonna at least. I think I, I projected him for five out of six games because uh, Tovar is probably gonna be out the first series with his child being born. So I'm like, Montez should get the play the whole first series. So cool, whole series in Cincinnati. Montez gets up the bat with two men on, strikes out. Bases loaded, one out, strikes out. I was like, gosh, I mean, come on. So it's like I'm already, I'm just, it's, I'm laughing at it because I'm like, I thought it was a, it was a very, very 
dark horse stream slash ad just to see where it goes type of thing because of the matchups and all that he had like a very favorable like a bunch of favorable factors but very very bad start and montes is just possibly just not good like <laughs> like that's a very big possibility too there's a reason why he's he was called up to be a weak side platoon he was dominating but at 26 years old in triple a you should dominate that level you so should, he could just yeah. be a quad a player at the end of the day though yeah so I don't even know how I got to Coco Monte. Oh, that, because of Pavin Smith. Thank you, Pavin yes. Smith. I got to. You're, I get to go your streaming rabbit hole of how things are just frustrating right now. But that's we've talked about that many times. The process results thing. You can only do so much, and then you hope they perform. And he checked. He checked all the boxes except oh, he does, for yeah. he, Montez checked the boxes for me this week in terms of having the matchups, having the the ballpark. The and it's not like he's facing tough pitching. You know, it's the Reds and it's the back end of the Reds rotation at that. And uh, yeah, so I was like, he's checking all these boxes for me. Too bad he can't hit the ball. I forgot that box. He didn't check that box. Apparently, the, the bright the bright side is you get three. Well, Montez won't be around for this, but if you are a Colorado streamer, you have three at Cincinnati, then you have three this weekend in Colorado, and then you have six next week in Colorado. Well, so that's two full weeks of just hitters paradise. For and that Rockets. was another thing. If Montez got going this week, I was thinking, yeah. okay, cool. There's a chance that he's usable next week. But this week was a good week because I mentioned he's a weak side platoon bat. Four lefties two in Cincinnati, two in cores. So he's yeah. getting playing time this week. It's just a matter of, can he do anything with it? And so far, not so good, which is just, again, it's, it's more so funny because I knew he was a big, it's a, it's a lottery ticket play. There's a reason why he was like, I think I was one of the three or four teams to add him. There's a reason for that. Not because he's good. You know what I mean? It was, a, it was like, a, let's see where this goes because of the upcoming schedule and all that. And he's just, he's looking every bit of, there's a reason why he was 26 in AAA, I guess, you know? Pretty much. But we'll see. It's still early. It was one bad game. Coco, I believe in you, buddy, if you're listening to this, but you're not. But if you happen to, I believe in you, Coco Montez. It sounds like it's such a go. cool name. It's like Coco Chris. The, we're going to make somebody make a Disney meme from the movie Coco, but use Coco Montez and see, see how we can do it. All right. Let's talk some fab from the week. As usual, I use the 12-team OCs uh, fab results. Curlin will sometimes bring up the main event 15-teamers. And he hinted, Curlin hinted at it because usually main events are kind of more of a structured fab for the most part, little wiggle room, but not much. The Wild West is the OCs. And I tweeted it out on Sunday. It was Father's Day. I was coming back from dinner. I looked on my phone at the fab results. And in every league, it was all over the board. Like, we'll get to Sheehan. And I'll tell, I'll, when I do my three leagues, I'll show you the price differences in those mottos. It was bonkers. Um, I believe mottos, it was mottos or Sheehan. I'll check when we do my re recap. Didn't even get picked up in one of my leagues. I was, oh yeah, dude, it was bonkers because I thought I had like no money. So I was streaming like the Bensons of the world. I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time. This is why you do keep modest bids. And I know people hate that term, but that is why right there. I'm furious and I could have had a $1 Luis Matos. And that is very, very frustrating to me. But um, we'll get to that shortly. And we'll start with the man, Luis Matos, who was picked up in 176 OCs, the most added player this week. For as high as 283 and as low as a dollar, which is very true, as you can tell by my anger in this situation. I talked about it on Thursday with Bloomfield, the day he got called up, that my only concern is I want to see the weekend, how he would play versus right-handed pitching. Because when he got called up, he started, but then he got pinch hit for when the lefty bullpen relievers came into the game against St. Louis. Well, over the weekend in L.A., Matos was the dude. He was playing every day. He played again on Monday night. Um, he, he's got hits in three or four games. He's got seven runs scored already in a stolen base. He has zero strikeouts, zero strikeouts in five games while walking 24% of the time. He's almost too patient though, which I think is affecting his power just a bit by looking at some things, but, uh, the skills are there for Montos. We saw it in the minors 
the fact the Giants played him over the weekend got me more excited to potentially roster him going forward. So what's your thoughts on Luis Matos? What's not what's not to like right now? You know, he's yeah. he's up. He's I mean, he's only, the fact that he's only 21 years old coming up, showing such poise, 23 percent walk rate to no strikeouts in five games like that's He's walking a quarter of the time. That's ridiculous. And he's always been a guy that when you look at his numbers, it's always been a very strong walk rates, at least recently over the last couple of seasons. But then there's, but it's really strikeout rates are always really good. The highest he's ever had was a 16 percent strikeout rate. And as he's actually gone up in the minors, it's gone down, which is, you know, typically the opposite. So you know that's legitimate. The stolen bases, I'm not sure how much the power we should buy into because it was kind of new this year in AAA. But I don't know, do, do the Giants play in the in the hitter-friendly? They're in the PCL. AAA? Sacramento, the ball flies out of Sacramento. So, ball flies in pretty much any PCL ballpark. That's what I'm saying. Are they playing the PCL? I thought so. So that, yeah. could, that could help explain some of the power. We have seen the power play up a little bit, but not a ton, like, not like that. So I'm wondering how much of that is the ballpark. It was the first time he's had an ISO over 200 with meaningful plate appearances at, at any level. So well, I lied, rookie ball. Anyway, in 2019. But my thing is about Matos is I wouldn't expect the power to be almost like, you know, how Thyro Shotter kind of just makes it happen. I think Matos could be that eventually. I just don't know if that's going to translate right away. But the stolen bases are a thing. You know, he's stolen double digit stolen bases each of the last what, four stops he's made. Yep. So I think we're going to see the stolen bases come around eventually. We already saw one, as you mentioned previously. So Matos is a guy that the hit tool is legit. The, the plate approach is very, very strong. 2.3% swimming strike rate. 100% Z con. He hasn't, he hasn't, <laughs> his own contact is 100%. He's made contact. It's, it's so, insane what he's doing. This is, while, this, is, this is while only chasing on 20% of pitches. Like that's yep. absurdly amazingly elite right now. His swing rate is really low, as you mentioned. Very, very uh, patient approach. Very, very good eye. Feels like it's like Luis Reyes type of like approach right now is what you're seeing. Now, will that sustain? Obviously, he's not going to keep up this torrid of a pace. He's going to strike out. Sorry to say it. You know, sorry to break it to you. But Matos, there's a lot of safety here, a lot of safe, solid production. He's not a zero for power, but I wouldn't expect a whole lot with the stone bases being a thing. So, and he's batting sixth. So, there's good RBI opportunities in this lineup. I think the fact that he has all the runs and no RBIs is funny, but you know what I mean? Batting six is usually better for RBIs, you would think. Anyway, uh, Matos is solid, safe, kind of bland, set, set and forget type. I think he's better for serve for 15s because I don't think there's enough juice there for 12s. I think I can see the use in five outfielder leagues. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not. I wouldn't have been as aggressive in 12 teamers personally because I don't think he's. I think there. I think what he offers outside of batting average floor, I think is like 250 right now. I think that's almost the floor outside of batting average and some stolen bases. I don't think there's a, a whole lot of juice there so you kind of have to understand that going there he's like he's kind of kind of just set him forget him type which is great for 15s but in 12s i feel like you just stream or find better sooner than later in terms of so you're it's really team need based in, in shallow formats i think for matos 100 that's kind of how my bids differed from sites that's why i didn't even have a bid in one league so welcome to welcome to thunderdome um the next most added player this week was Emmett sheehan the pitcher for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, 173 leagues as high as 221, as low as a dollar. Yeah, another guy that where you just you, the bids were insane for him all over the board. I was pulling up the Guild's Twitter real quick because he hit just the absolute nuts. Um, no, there it is. In one of his, uh, I think this has to be an OC. He got uh, Emmett Sheehan for a dollar unopposed, Patrick Bailey for a dollar unopposed, and Luis Matos for a dollar unopposed. Uh, whoever's in that league should be thrown to the sun right now because <laughs> that is absolutely like horrific. And I'm not even trying to, I'm not trying to be funny. I got just, ah, like tilting beyond tilt 
But um, Sheehan, six shutout innings, three walks, two Ks in his debut. Six no-hit innings, I should say. Uh, didn't over, look overly dominant to me, but obviously got the job done. And it was against the Giants, and the strike zone was freaking ludicrous. I'm going to throw that one out there. It was horrible what they were getting away with. But he was great in double-A, 88 Ks and 53 and a third innings pitched for a 42% K rate and an 11% walk rate. Kid's good. I My only concern with Sheehan, and this might just be me, getting too over the top with it is I'm wondering about long-term starts here. Like they have him at Houston this week at Colorado next week. When I was doing bidding, he wasn't even scheduled to pitch next week. He was still kind of a one, one-to-one start type guy, but it feels like he's just holding spots on the week. Urias comes back uh, the fall, next Friday, a week, about a week and a half from now. And then it, I wonder if he, she and sticks around because they won't need him anymore is my point. Or do you take Michael Grove's spot and Grove takes off? That's where it gets interesting. So that's why I wasn't super aggressive on Sheehan. What's your thoughts? Well, they sent, I believe they sent Grove down, right? Uh, he's scheduled to start on the starting grid. He's scheduled to start tomorrow against the Angels. Huh. I thought they sent him down. I will, look while, I will look while you talk. On right? roster resources, I'm showing him on the I'm on, rotation. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Rotowire, <laughs> and he's uh, he's starting tomorrow in Anaheim. So, well, would that be? Did they send him down because they had ten, or is it minimum ten days to call back up? Right. So maybe there was like... an injury. Yeah. So you can't just do that. But um, yeah, you 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 talk, and I'll, I'll look this up. Well, so Sheehan, the reason the, the reason why there's interesting, it's interesting to me just because you know he has the three pitches, the the four seam changeup slider, the fastball sitting about ninety six, give or take. With a almost a 13 mile per hour difference between the fastball and changeup, you always like to see a big gap there. I think 10 miles per hour is kind of like the, the, the good, the happy spot. So 13 mile per hour difference is kind of pretty, pretty fun there. And he's able to throw the changeup against lefties, the slider, both sides, but more so against righties. So he has a pitch for both handedness, but he threw the changeup exclusively to lefties in the first start. So we'll see how that ends up playing up. But fastball, okay, real quick, real quick. Yeah, Grove got sent down over the weekend to bring Emmett Sheehan up. But what they're saying, they can put someone on the IL and bring him up because his regular day's rest would line up with tomorrow's start. So that's sorry. what I figured. That's what I was reading. So that's it looks like it looks like they're going to IL someone more than likely than not to bring him up to pitch tomorrow. Makes sense, which yeah. doesn't surprise me. That's the Do- the Dodgers are dodgering. They're still finding a way to do full, go full Dodgers on us. You know, like play the system. The system. But all they have is uh, is, Ur- is Urias. So if Urias comes up and you're right. It's going to depend on Grove, and maybe they don't want to. I was afraid of Sheehan being a one and done deal. That's why I'm with you. I was. I played a little scared here. I also felt like, although Sheehan is a difference maker at this point of the year compared to what's likely to come up, especially what's on the waiver wire, like I just didn't have the fab to go. I mean, don't get me wrong. He went as low as twelve bucks. In, in a I didn't think I had the fab either, but apparently I did. Looking at yeah. somebody's bids. <laughs> well, somebody's bid and. Don't get me wrong. Some of these bids, like if I could have gotten towards the bottom third here, like a lot of these guys, a lot of people that got them were like under 50 bucks in main events, which that's a great value. I think at least like it looks like at least 15 teams got them for under 50 bucks. So that's a price point I could have afforded. But the problem is I have other perceived needs on my team and I have other ways I want to allocate my remaining fab. So personally, I, I wasn't betting against I, I feel like she Sheehan was although he could he was definitely gonna be helpful and if you could get him again, Geld's got him for a buck on a team that's in first place. That's stupid and it shouldn't be allowed. But anyway, can we can we do the whole like FBC goes in and takes them off the like no, you're not allowed yeah, to have them just because it, it's not fair to the OCs. But anyway, it's uh yeah, 
there's it's at the end of the day i like what we're seeing here i like what we've seen in the minors at this point from Sheehan, from she Sheehan, Sheehan or Sheehan? Like how do you, I don't I'm know? Calling him Sheehan, but I've, Sheehan. I've been known to mispronounce things too. He's so. he's, but he's also. I wonder how many innings does he get? Because last year you're looking at it. That's a big one coming from Double A. Sixty, also sixty-seven innings last year, so yep. sixty-eight innings last year. So he's already at fifty-nine. So what is he capped at one one hundred, one ten, one twenty? Maybe I'd say one hundred ish. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. don't get me wrong. So another sixty innings. That's another what, give or take, ten starts roughly. Yeah, we'll say 10 to 12. Just give him five innings of start, see what happens. But yeah. Yeah, so 10 to 12 starts, that puts him... I mean, it's two months of help for the price. It makes sense in most places. But yeah, it's uh, at the end of the day, though, he could be a different... He could be a help, uh, very helpful piece in the in the short term. But yeah, there are reasons for concern in terms of sticking in the rotation with, if they actually want to keep Grove in there or not when Julio Urias returns. Yep, 100% with you on that one. So we'll have to see. Um, it's just uh, I know people hate it, but this is why we say terms like keep them honest bids because there's some just stupid stuff taking place that don't make sense more often than not. Uh, Bo Naylor talked about him a second ago. He was picked up in 144 leagues, as high as 111, as low as a dollar. Uh, Naylor's the big time catching prospect with Cleveland. They opt they DFA'd Mike Zanino to make room for Bo Naylor. He's hitless in his first two games, but in the minors hitting 253, 13 homers, a couple stolen bases at Triple A. Um, big thing though, 18% walk rate with a 19% K rate. That OBP skills were out uh, almost a 400 OBP in the minors, which is very, very strong. So I, I like what we kind of see from Bo Naylor. I didn't really need a catcher, so I wasn't aggressive on Bo Naylor. I think I had him like in one league where I did need a catcher, but for the most part, I, I like him, but didn't really need him. So what about you? Yeah, it's very similar to the passive approach you were talking about with uh, Matos. And like with, like, it's almost very, I think it's closer to Nolan Jones than it is Matos because Matos makes way more contact. So I think Nolan Jones, in terms of plate, plate approach, can be a better comp because he's, because uh, Naylor's a guy that doesn't chase a ton, makes good but not great contact. Swinging strikes aren't an issue for Naylor, at least so far. And, you know, through the minor leagues, hasn't been much of an issue. So Naylor's a guy that kind of offers that. It's just, it's just that, that, There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. 
The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. That very, very, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Patient, plate approach of Naylor that can be a concern for fantasy because we've seen that approach get attacked a time or two in the major league level. Guys like, I think it's Gorman was like that a bit last year. I know uh, Josh Lowe, um, Nathaniel Lowe, I know both those guys were very passive at one point at points in their career as well, which hindered their production. Nathaniel Lowe obviously completely turned that around. He became more aggressive and hasn't slowed down since finding that new approach last year. And Josh Lowe, although going through a bit of a downward turn, I think there's going to be more good than bad for him moving forward as well. But it's a change of approach that was needed for him to find some success. So I think Naylor can have some growing pains with it, just like Jones. I think is Nolan Jones, you know, he'll have his growing pains. He's kind of slowed down a little bit with the power, but it's still there. But anyway, I digress. Uh, these two guys, that's where the pro, that play approach. And ultimately, it always reminds me of Conforto. The name, Conforto, I remember being like super high on him, like 2019, 2020 range. And I'm like, why is he hitting for such bad average? And this and that, it's always, he always just had that same approach where Conforto was just very much patient, didn't chase a lot, didn't swing a ton, but made adequate contact and always did damage with the contact he made. And that's why it's like, I feel like these guys are in that comfort. Like Conforto is always the comp that comes to mind because he was the first guy that when I started doing fantasy analysis, he was the first guy that caught my attention doing that whole like, dude, just swing the bat more, please just swing it because you have the skills that do so much more damage if you just swung the wood, swung the wood a little more. That's what she said. Yes, that's what she said. So <laughs> we'll we'll stop at Bo Naylor on that one. Uh, <laughs> Naylor. <laughs> yeah, see, we can keep going all day. Uh, Jordan Hicks picked up in 143 leagues, as high as 93, as low as a dollar. He's the next big thing with uh, the injury to Ryan Helsley, which get, seems to get worse and worse with each bit of news you get. Uh, it seemed like it would be Giovanni Gallegos, who was pitching well all season. He got the first shot, got blown up. Insert Jordan Hicks. He's picked up three straight saves now, one of them on Monday, already paying off for people that bid on him. And he's looked electric in these three outings. He's kind of looking like the guy many thought he would be a few years ago before injuries and just trying to start bullpen back and forth. We're playing out. Um, I I have I, – I mentioned last week I dropped Paul Sewell. I have too many closers on my team, so like I didn't have a need for a Jordan Hicks. He's very good. I'll be honest, though, I still feel Giovanni Gallegos is not far away in that scenario, so I wouldn't get comfortable the way they used Helsley and Gallegos already. I could see a Hicks-Gallegos still happening, but uh, so far, so good with Hicks. What do you got on him? Yeah, Hicks, I think you nailed the, I think you nailed it on him. It's just we've seen him even this year go through hot stretches being like an elite reliever for them and then just like missing his spots and having a hard time. And I think that's kind of the Hicks experience. He throws the ball so hard that he just kind of – if he just dialed it back, I think he'd be better off in terms of getting that location. But there's, I'm sorry. I mean, the strikeouts are never a question. The guy has great stuff. But when you have six walks per nine, that's yeah. not going to play as a closer. It's gonna, he's going to get into trouble. He'll go through a hot stretch, and right now he's in the middle of one, and you're catching it. It's great. But at the end of the day, you're not he's, – he's, he's going to – he's just – he doesn't locate well enough for that, that, that stuff, man. It's, it's, it's electric. It's elite in terms of, like, the, the, the velocity. But Hicks is not – I don't think he's made to be a closer given the lack of command and control of his, of his arsenal. So 
There's a reason why he struggles every year. There's a reason why his underlying metrics are always better than his actual outcome. He's one of those guys that underperforms underlying metrics instead of overperforming them because he just has, I think it's a lot of it's the location issues. And it's funny because last year I was, I actually had, I was on the tag team. I had tag team with Waxman and I made him get Hicks and be aggressive. And it ended up being a, a wasted pick because I thought this was going to be what he did last year in terms of just factoring into the saves off rip because they were talking about how Gallegos was going to be used in high leverage situations, not the sole closer and Hicks never got it. That's where Helsley came in. So I picked the wrong guy last year, this year, this year all around, I stayed, I stayed, uh, stayed away from it altogether. And honestly, this one, I wasn't getting in on him. He went for more. I was willing to, he was for a decent price. I think it was like 40. I'm actually looking it up right now. I think it was 45. He went in my league, 45, 46, 47, right, right around there. And, 45 to Jewett of all people, of course. And uh, it's one of those things where I don't think I would have been that high on him just given my needs. I mean, I have Holmes. I have, um, who's the other closer? Oh, Estevez. So those are both guys on teams I don't expect to get traded. I'm not trying to spec on saves right now. They're serviceable. I, I, a third closer would be ideal to gain saves, but I just don't know how long the leash is going to be. And I'm with you kind of, even Helsley at his best was sharing. I don't think Hicks is suddenly going to get a full-time shot at it. And the fact they, but the fact they got three straight, maybe they will let him go until he blows one. At this point, yeah, very, very possible but, on that. But the leash has to be short, right? You would think, yeah. And that's why I just want to group these next two together. So we just mentioned Hicks. It's just we're getting to that point. Of the year where closers are becoming a popular topic here. Scott McGuff was added 106 leagues for 51 to a dollar. Alzale, Edward Alzale, 70 leagues, 79 to a dollar. McGuff's got a couple saves over the last few weeks. Alzale's looked outstanding. So let's just have fun with this. Hicks, Alzale, McGuff, which one would you have been in on? Probably McGuff, just because they, that's who they wanted the, to start the year with. You know, that was the guy to begin the year. Castro, although serviceable, hasn't looked great of late. Chafin's still lefty. McGuff, ever since figure, I think he had a tell, or he was tipping his pitches, I believe, was the issue. He fixed it. Ever since they found what was the issue, he's been pretty much lights out and what they wanted him to be when they first got him. But I don't think that team in general is, I think the issue with that team is that there's no set guy ever. So I think McGuff can just be the most valuable in that bullpen. And I think, but there was a reason why that I just go back to how they treated him at the beginning of the year. And he was the one guy where they kept turning to him for every opportunity initially before he just couldn't, you know, nail it down. So I think that there's a, I think uh, Lobolo or Lobello, I can't ever say his name. I think the manager there <laughs> likes McGuff and wants him to be the guy. So I think McGuff, I think McGuff's going to be the, most useful useful option and i say that because I, I i say that someone who dropped miguel castro because i'm like you know miguel castro will still factor i don't think McGuff Castro's the guy anymore that. i think i think mcguff's gonna take over that lion's share and deservedly deservedly so he's been good yep i'm with you uh, oh Brian, another, you, forgot, you yeah. forgot another name jason foley was very popular at least in mains and yeah, uh, mains was, he and, was and then we saw really. alex lang get the save last night so yeah, he was added in 38 leagues yeah lang bounced back and even um aj hinch said i was looking forward to giving lang the ball the first chance i could so yeah, he's being loyal to his dude. That's that's for sure. I wonder if they're just trying to squeeze every little bit of uh, value out of him. No, not the Tigers. Not a chance. Lang is going to be a great setup man somewhere else. Yes, he season, will. Yes, well, he I wonder. Will. I wonder how much Tigers team, do. We do have to. Look, we have, one thing we have to factor in more than ever is team control. And if a team, like if they have like three or four years, I'd imagine. Lang, I'll tell you right now. Imagine Lang's got quite a bit because he's I'm wondering been, if they deal him or not because they a, might, I don't know. Lang if is uh, Lang's not a free agent till 2028. Yeah, I think yeah, he has three minor league options. He's arb eligible in 2025, so he's the bare minimum for a couple more years. I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, he's pre arb. He's not even arb. Yeah, that's what I'm wow. saying. He's not arb 
comfortable for a couple more seasons. Like, I think I think they're just much. gonna I think they're just gonna keep him there, and uh, they might trade him. In tw- I bet you they trade him next year because of the ar- that way they get out of paying yeah. arbitration prices. So they're gonna they're gonna build up. They're gonna keep giving him saves. Build his value, and then yeah, then deal him off. Yeah, because he's twenty seven too. So there's no. Uh, I just don't see. I I don't see a team paying what could be a premium given the the amount of control left on a reliever and he's 27 years old. Maybe they don't get as much as I'm thinking because of age he's in his prime. But by the time he's by the time a team has to pay him though, I'm wondering, cause there's gonna be so many more teams competing. A bullpen piece like this could really go a long way for a team. Yeah. Things could change. So, the landscape has changed a ton. I just I have a hard time. Year, so. belie- I just have such a hard time believing a team pays what might, it might take to get considering the amount of, amount of years that they get with him it's i wonder what the asking price is going to be compared to what they get it's there's a lot of it i don't know if there's a if there's a random closer that doesn't get traded i guess lang ends up being could be the guy that although should get traded from a team like the tigers might not yep yeah let's see how it plays out uh brian I still think he does I still think he does. sorry anyway <laughs> brian Wu was added in 71 leagues as high as 133 as low as a dollar he was added a lot last week for his two-step you know, his first start of the year, two innings, six runs, four Ks in Texas. That was Texas, folks. He went to, to Anaheim and home against the White Sox, combined for a 10 and a third innings, four total runs, and 16 strikeouts. What are your thoughts on Brian Wu, who I did grab a couple shares of this week? I think we were all wrong not to take advantage of that suppressed yeah, I was price. Very angry. very angry with that, yes. And not that it's one of those things where I'm learning the hard way, and I think a lot of people are starting to make note of this. I think I've heard Rob on his podcast and other podcasts mention this at this point. Rob DiPietro, for those curious, which Rob I'm talking about, not Silver, because there are two Robs on the launch angle, but I think this was Pete DiPietro on Pull Hitter Pod talking to Dom about this. And there's there's a Sunday, so there's a Sunday tax. Absolutely, we know this. But there's also the opposite of like Wu went out and struggled, I think Saturday, right before Fab and or Friday. It was like start right before Fab happened, and that's what suppressed the prices. And instead, maybe going forward, teams like the Mariners who are willing to be a little more like, okay, you're gonna stick it out up here with us. A team like that that's betting on one of their top guys from the from the minors. Maybe you bet on the talent and ignore the production if it's a good if it's a bad start, and you get them on a discount. And if it doesn't pan out, you drop them anyway. I think that there's something to be learned there moving forward from a lot of people. And I think we're all learning on the fly this year because as as good as there are as good as players are in in NFC and overall in general, I think this year is the first year we're seeing so many teams be overly aggressive with their minors, with their minor leaguers, with their, with their top prospects. We're seeing teams really take advantage of the new rules and just play their guys and don't really care. It seems like we have to adjust for that in our analysis. We have to adjust for that in our draft prep. And we have to adjust for that in fab and a guy like Wu, who had the, had some pedigree, who had some upside that people were really excited about goes out and gets shelled because, because of all the other rookies that went out and dominated their first start. We just assumed he was a bust. And we, I say we as like the general consensus was just like, nah, I'm good. And that's why he was so cheap initially. That was a mistake. And I think that was a mistake that those who didn't make are very happy and got a big boost for because you got a really solid value at, at, from a guy in Wu who's been very, very good for your fantasy rosters and who's probably going to be good rest of season, a solid contributor at the very least. And good, good on you for not buying into the one start bad, uh, the hype. And my issue is, I gotta get, but I have to get better at that bias. I have, I've learned, and that's why I'm being more patient with Kyle Lewis for reference because I learned Voice what happens those. if you do. Yeah, Voice I always those. call, dude. I always call him Kyle yes. Lewis because I have a spot in my heart for from 2020 when I was so in on Kyle Lewis. I was a Mariners fan for that year. I bought the hat, got the shirt made. I got, I got a sleepy K jersey from from the Mariners because I adopted the Mariners on my team that year. I was a couple years early, but man, the Mariners are fun. The Mariners and the Reds are just so much fun. The Reds more so than the Mariners now because Mariners aren't doing looking so great, but. 
the Reds. The Reds are the new the new team that everyone's like. Just I, I, you got to root for them. You you do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love. I wish the Marlins had any type of hitting like that. Because if you take the Mar- the Reds hitting with the Marlins, the Marlins pitching, pitching. Oh, you, you get the Tampa Bay. No, no, no. Real real talk. Real <laughs> talk. With the Marlins pitching be as good in Great American Small Park, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but, but would would yeah. the hitters would the hitters in would, with, that's the problem in Miami? Yeah, would the hitters be as good in Miami or or would the Marlins would, would the Marlins would have screwed up the development of those hitters? The Reds probably oh, would have screwed up the pitching develop. The Reds yeah. would have screwed up the pitching development of the pitchers. But it's the what if you know you take the two together and you get the Tampa Bay Rays. Like that's what that's what it is. The Rays that's take fun. the Rays do that and they they do that even with lesser talent they make it work anyway. It's impressive. I just wish the I wish the Marlins and the Reds could turn that corner. The Marlins, obviously, the Reds, the Reds, the Reds, the Reds are turning a corner, but I think they're both. You know, they might contend for a wild card spot, but it's just they're they're you know they're not real contenders. They're they're pretenders. We know it, but it's still fun. It's still fun to root for the underdog. The Giants are also doing the Giants things where they're competing with who knows like how they're doing. It's like it's like it's wild. The Giants do this though. The Giants are known to do. This. Don't get me started on that. We got. I don't have that much time in the day to go talk about my Giants, so don't get me started there because I'm actually pumped right now. Uh, let's recap our fab from last week, Mr. Curlin. I know you're a busy man, all two moves you made. So uh, hey, what do you got for us? I made four moves this week, Ooh. and I already talked. I already talked. That's a lot. That is a lot. I know. Me. I try to keep. I try. I mean, I haven't had to make many moves. I was. I, I was also stubborn enough to stash Varland, who I know has been terrible. But I think there's. I think there's a happy medium in the good start and the rough stretch. So I'm stashing. I do expect him to get sent down, or they've talked about going six man. I just want to see if he can get right. I just because I looked at what's on the waiver wire, I'm like, I can't justify dropping him for what <laughs> like for, that was, was oh i looked at the way where i'm like for what and there really just wasn't much so i i stashed varland so i'm counting that as a move but the other moves i mentioned uh added coco montez dropped i should probably look up who i actually dropped i think that's important to mention who i dropped so give me a second to pull that up but anyways i, I can talk about who i added in the meantime so it was coco montez as again we we mentioned him no need to talk about him more then i i added uh pavin smith which i also mentioned why and how he's useless to me and for some reason, it's not loading, so it doesn't matter who I dropped. Um, I added Jake Rogers. I'm, I'm really excited about that. He went two for three to start the day. He's on a bit of a heater. So I was, I was again, I told you I'm just, I told you I'm streaming catchers, catcher two to be specific. So that was the guy I got. Oh, I dropped Pavin Smith for, I dropped, when I dropped Pavin Smith, I dropped Will Brennan. So that sucked. Like, Will Brennan's good, but, and he's useful. I just wanted some, some category juice upside, and that was, that failed me. I dropped, Coco Montez. When I dropped Coco, when I added Coco Montez, I dropped Miguel Castro. I mentioned that already too. Uh, Kyle Wright, I added for four dollars unopposed. I think it's stashing season for him in deeper formats. I know a lot of people aren't very high on him, but I again, when I mentioned there's nothing on the waiver wire, there's nothing on the waiver wire in fifteens. I think Kyle Wright at least has a potential to be a team streamer when he returns, and I expect myself to have to be streaming for wins, chasing wins. And I think if your guy's going to come back and pitch for the Braves, you want that on your team. So if nothing else, if he could return close to form, I don't expect him to be as good as he was last year to start the year. But if he could be decent, like an SP5, I'm okay with stashing that right now. Honestly, on my specific team, given where I am with my current rotation and all that, I have a team where I think I can stash Kyle Wright. That's why I made I dropped Owen Miller in the process. And I mentioned Jake, Jake Rogers. I said goodbye to my friend and colleague, Miguel Amaya. But I expect to see Miguel Amaya on my roster again with how I'm streaming catcher. So... Those are the four moves in my main in our in our OCQ. I only made one move there, and I think I got. Let's see if I can pull it up real quick. Our OCQ is a twelve teamer. I got Samad Taylor three dollars unopposed. Yeah, not too shabby. I like that one. Um, my moves first OC 
This is where we get fun already. I added Brian Wu, dropped Edward Cabrera nine to zero. No runner up bid on Brian Wu. This is why. And I churn and burn in 12s. Like, I'm like you said, four is big for you. I make four moves almost every week. But the fact that unopposed, this is 12 team fun, folks. Here we go. Um, Bo Naylor grabbed him for eight bucks. Uh, runner up was two dollars because I have Sean Murphy and I know I needed another catcher for at least the first half of the week. So come on down, Bo Naylor. Um, I added Ezekiel Tobar, dropped Luis Rangifo six to five. That was at least close. I know Tovar was uh, going to miss the start of the week, but I liked him for the rest of this week, next week, and he's playing well. So that's an upgrade, period. And then I added Will Benson, dropped Will Brennan 3-0. to zero. Um, Emmett Sheehan was added for 7 bucks in this league with no runner-up bid. And um, Luis Matos was not added in this league at all. So, yeah. There you go. That, 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 this is just nuts. Now going to my second OC, I added Luis Matos in this league, dropped Ryan Nota, $26, runner-up of 21. So... Yeah, uh, I added Brian Wu in this league, dropped Edward Cabrera, 22, runner-up of 17, which was unopposed 9-0 in the other league. This is where it gets fun, folks. Uh, Ezekiel Tobar, 6-4. to four. So in this league, all three moves are kind of contested, which was rare. Uh, Emmett Sheehan in this OC added for $3, no runner-up bid. Uh, oh, my third OC added, well, Luis Matos went for 98 in this OC, so went nothing, 26, 98. Welcome to Thunderdome. And the runner-up in this league was 73. Uh, Emmett Sheehan was added for 35 in this league with a runner-up of 22. Again, think back to the previous. And then Bo Naylor was added for 32 in this league. It's it's insane. Don't try to do the math. I made three moves. I added Will Will Benson, dropped Will Brennan 4-0. to zero, Added Edward Olivares, dropped Luis Rangifo 3-0. to zero, Added Taiwan Walker, dropped JP France 3-0. to zero. Um, I'm going to start just bidding $1 on everything, even though I have the money right now. It's just... I, I just don't understand it at all. It's absolutely bewildering some of these moves right now. But yeah, those are my three OCs where all the fun is happening. All right. Let's talk listener questions here. We have one from the Discord I will bring up for you real quick. Um the angry the angry akin, he asked, rest of season ranking of rookie pitchers, or maybe just top five. Uh Yuri Perez, the Millers. Andrew Abbott, who should we be selling? Basically, of all the rookie pitchers besides Matthew Libertor, who should we be selling? Oh, they're keeping Yuri up now. All of a sudden, I still think yeah. Yuri is short term, though. He's, I don't think. Still, yeah, they're still limiting his uh, innings because, like, I I don't know if you saw. I put it in the chat because this is why we all love Craig Mish. He's mm-hmm. super like approachable because he like we've been reporting. Like Mish was like, "Hey, they're going to send him down when Rogers comes back because they want to massage his innings, so he's available late in the year." But then with Rogers' setbacks. Mish tweeted it out last week that, hey, Yuri's going to be in the rotation for the foreseeable future. And I asked, I'm all with still controlling innings? And he said, yes. So the same idea, but in the bigs, which you asked him before, why not do it in the bigs instead of the minors? So he's still going to have his innings concerns. That's the thing. And on top of that, are we talking for, is he going to be piggybacking now? Or are we going to drop from five to four innings? Is it going to be, I think he's like at a strict 80 or 90 pitch cap already. Does that go down to 70? I don't know what they're going to do here. And that's why it's like, I'm kind of concerned with Yuri rest of season. I think he's the, I think the talents there, I think, I think he's going to be next year's Lozardo in terms of the guy that goes in these rounds and you're going to, you're going to really want Yuri present on your teams next year. Cause I think he's going to pitch like the 150, 150 plus innings next year. But this year it's like, Oh, it's so tough. Um, I think he might be the sell and I'm not comfortable saying that though. Cause I think he's, I think he's solid, but it's just one of those things where, there's too many concerns there, and we don't know if he's going to pitch enough to get wins. And if he has one troubling inning any given start, he's definitely not going five. So, yeah, I'm going to have to sell Yuri rest of season. 
You have Yuri. What about just do quick keep or sell Bobby Miller? Well, Bobby, I think you keep. I think Bobby's sticking around. No. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Bryce Miller. Oh, he's he's definitely. Yeah, I'm not worried about him either. He's staying. Brian Wu. That's the thing. Wu, I rather. I, I think I'm holding Wu too. Like, these guys are. I'm expecting to stick in their rotations. That's the big thing here. Andrew it's, Abbott. Oh, you could uh, you could take him. I, you could. I, I'll him. pay his peripheral numbers look atrocious. Dude, has he even start, has he started at home yet? Yeah, Honestly. his first, his first, at least first for sure. If not first, was it two first two yeah. that he like somehow because like the other day he, mindful. That's why I didn't even bid on him because like I'm looking at everything and I'm like this is going to get disgusting quick. I can't wait. I can't wait until it happens. No offense to those who have him, but like I, I there's no yeah. He's so he was first start was at home. Last two on the road. You remind me of start, the left-handed Graham Ashcraft right now. The the last start was um in Houston and he two two balls were hit the center field that would have been home runs in almost every other park but because it was Houston they weren't was the yeah. thing so that was he got away with it there i i just uh, yeah it's a it's going to couple others here uh Tanner Bybee oh yeah i'm holding or yeah i'm also on that uh Logan Allen oh, he's That's been so iffy rough. He's he's gonna be. I I'm gonna buy. I think he sticks around because they're losing. They're running out of options. Like I think that alone will keep him around. I think he'll be serviceable. I know he's been kind of rough, but he's good. I think Logan Allen's legitimately a good pitcher. So I there's. A, I mean, every pitcher's gonna have some rough patches. I started him this week against Oakland. I think it's this weekend. Does he get Oakland this week or next week? He has a good matchup this week though too. It's this week. Okay, yeah. so next week's a two step is what it is for him. Yep. Yep. He's got. Uh, I got it right here. He's got Oakland this week. Because I know Savali, if it's Oakland on Thursday and the next week, it's only one start next week uh, against Kansas City. Mm. Oh, it's one start against. Are you sure it's one? It must be. Oh, let's, say, let's say switched it up again. Who knows? It's been happening a lot. Last one here, Taj, Taj Bradley. Oh, you have to hold Bradley. Yeah, I'm just I'm just reading off. The Heck, honestly, I, I'd rather hold Yuri if I have a choice, but I just think if you're going to sell high on a player, I think you're selling high on Yuri because of the innings concerns. No doubt and you know it. that you it's it's a well-known thing like this is it's one of those things where you know the bad times are coming you just don't want to accept it that's where i'm at like i don't want to accept that we're not going to keep getting this, these beautiful starts rest of season like he's not going to be able to go 80 over five innings rest of season they're not going to allow him to pitch that's that much problem. that is the conundrum but still might be better than most streamers out there that's the um, thing so it's like you can hold him but just understand that there's a chance that he becomes very very tough wins, wins will become an issue wins uh, yes ratios uh, and k's will be there will be awesome uh, Zach Waxman asks, "Would you start Bayo or Steele this week?" He asked me because I was like, I, I, I was, I was floating that question to him, to you guys. And, and, I, the, and the real question is because Steele plays in London, by the way. That's the only reason why I asked Steele. Uh, don't get me wrong, Bayo has been absurdly amazing too. So, but here's the thing: the fact that that's where my pitching staff stands in my main is why I is, is I'm very fortunate to be able to have this question. Yep. Most people are plugging both in because they don't have like that, that's not even a thought. I sat steel because of the dimensions of that park. I think it was again shout out to Rob because he had the information in his Discord. I saw him drop it. Uh, that it's like three thirty down each line, three ninety to center. It's still very hitter friendly. Not so much sea level. It's still sea level. It's not really. There's no elevation issues. But the field dimensions themselves are very hitter friendly. That and then in 2019 the ball was juiced, but they were putting up like 20 run games in each outing. And this one of those things where now I'm going to wear my tinfoil hat and I said this in our Discord. That I do think that the team. I think if there's ever a season uh, and ever a series to give juice balls, it's these series across 
across the 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 well the, 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 thing, the, the thing the thing i'll say is that mexico series with the giants and the padres you didn't need juice balls no. there <laughs> but the that sunday game was it felt like a different ball because the ball like the score was still high but nothing like the first two games and it felt like something changed a little bit it was awesome and you want you want these you want scoring you want excitement in these games across you know in different countries you you want that for the game it helps the game grow it shows excite baseball is supposed to be exciting you don't want a 2-1 pitchers duel most most casual fans aren't going to enjoy that yeah, and I, I think steel can still have a good outing i think steel can easily go five innings three earned runs just and risky just risky i just so i went with i went with uh brian bayo because he gets the white Sox, who have been horrendous lately They're coming off bad. two amazing starts against a terrible Yankees team. Sure. It's a bad, it's a bad schedule, but who cares? You want the guy who's, you want the guy who's good facing bad player, bad teams. Whereas the Cardinals have been pretty bad against lefties in general. And the Cardinals also have been really bad against them lately, but I don't, again, I'm just something I, I wear my tin hat, my tinfoil hat there. And I really think that if there's ever a series that's going to get juice balls, it really is going to be the one that is in a different country. So yep. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it and I tend to you do are. that from time to time. You do. But that. at yeah. the end of the day, it was, it's not like I did, it's, I had other options and I don't know if people care about the other options, but you guys are well aware that, you know, it's like um, I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting Sonny Gray against Boston. Okay, I'm not we don't sitting, need to go through them all. You just have to oh, answer yeah, the question. Just answer the question. I want to go through um, all of them. It's my yeah, hashtag, my main. The Hashtag guilds, my main. I need to get through the podcast. The guild says, <laughs> I told you this was coming, Mike. I'm going to shut you down eventually. The guild Never. says, thoughts on Morel rest of season. Yeah. Throw that one out there. Um, yeah. I, I next turnover at Sleepy Gator. How many times can I click refresh before Christian Incarnacio Strand is promoted? I said they're trying to figure out how to splatoon him right now. I don't know if they're going to. I don't think you call up CES to platoon him, though. That's the yeah, thing. I, so I, I, I don't think... know where he plays. Well, that's the DH is open. That's where that's where Fraley gets screwed. That's why right now Fraley, all of them have a spot as long as that DH remains open. The second they call up CES, there goes the DH, and there goes the playing time for one of those outfielders. Mm-hmm. And because Steer has to get in there, and Benson, Friedel, and Fraley all can't fit without the DH being available. They all fit with the DH available. So that's where the issue is right now. And uh, so if they call up CES. I think they're. I think before. I think that's the issue. That's why I think CS is kind of stuck. I, I think they're going to try to trade Fraley or Friedel by the trade deadline or sooner to allow for that move to be made with less. So there's no traffic and no issues with playing time and all that. I agree with that. I think a trade so, has to be made first. So Thanks roughly, me. I'm guessing you'll be refreshing probably through the All Star break at this point. Yep, I'd say about unfortunately. Or maybe early July because I think teams are going to start. I think teams are going to start making moves now. I don't think teams are all going to wait for the end of the trade deadline. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, a trade needs to be made. Uh, Joe G says, "Is Tristan Cassis finally hitting?" I've been talking about Cassis off and on for the last few like. That's the thing. Weeks. Yeah, <laughs> you, you said it off he, and on. <laughs> he, if you look at his rolling grass, it is a peaks and valley. And, and in the month of June, he's hitting two seventy three, uh, seven extra base hits, two homers, walking eighteen percent, striking out nineteen and a half. He's looked great right now. That's for sure. Twelve percent barrel, fifty three, almost fifty three percent hard hit rate in the month of June. I'd roll with it while you can. The skills are there. Eventually, it's all going to click. But um, I, I would roll with it for now. That's what I would say. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's Cassis. Wow. Wow. These yeah. things. What, what you said, you nailed it, man. There's he's up, it's ups and downs. Enjoy. I think it's going to be short lived though, because didn't they talk about Story coming back in DHing and then Turner playing more first base? So that's the thing. And Turner was playing first base even like a week ago. He was playing more first base because like Devers. Yeah, it's it's going to get interesting. So get ready to drop Cassis, but in the meantime. 
you're probably yeah. rolling him out there while he's hitting better. Yep, 100%. And then Joji also asked, Cassius, Ozuna, Alec Thomas, Jesus Sanchez, pick two for Daily Roto. Oh, well, I think today Sanchez gets a tough match. Isn't it a lefty today, actually? I didn't even check because he's on, on the main DFS slate, so I did not care. Um, Miami it's a lefty, faces, so he's not yeah, playing. He's not, so, so you could knock, you could take Sanchez out. Ozuna gets a lefty. That's always plus. That's Ranger Suarez. And then he's, who, been, he's been better of late. Yeah, it's true. But still, like, if you're looking for matchups, that's And you got, and you got Bailey Ober. For uh, who was the other? I forgot the other name. Alec Thomas. Uh, Alec Thomas. Arizona faces Ray. You want Thomas for sure, as long as but he's the in the lineup. Part, I was going to say, the only issue with Thomas is, A, you mentioned lineup, but B, also he's like a nine-spot hitter. So just know that you're going to get one probably one less play appearance than the, than any of, the, of these other options, at least. I would go Thomas and Ozuna probably, but I'd cast yeah. us a close second. Who do they face today? They face Bailey Ober. Ober. Oh. He's been decent. Yeah, but that's the thing. Um, Yeah, probably I agree with you, but I'm not. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to go cast over Thomas, I'm fine with that too. I know Thomas hit the home run, but I don't want to overreact to one home run. But hasn't Azuna also slowed down quite a bit of late? Yes, he has. Yes, yes, he definitely so, has. Yeah, <laughs> it really is a mixed bag. Pick your favorites. Based, maybe look at the lineups. So you might get the most play appearances and attack it that way. Attack plate appearances. Yep, that's my two cents as well. Uh, last but not least here, Taylor Johnson asked, for all the rowdy truthers out there, are there any positive signs that a big summer is coming? This this stings because he's platooning now. He's freaking platooning. Um, what are you seeing when you look at Rowdy Telez? Because I'm I'm one of the biggest rowdy truthers out there, and so AI have biasy involved, but I am not optimistic on things I'm seeing. So I looked into him yesterday for an article, actually, for The Athletic. He's part of – unfortunately, he made the three down – part of yep. the lineup trends and the performance trends section section. But I found reasons for optimism because I couldn't really find what was wrong. And the only thing I could see different in Rowdy Tellez's profile. Yeah. The bar is down a little bit, uh, but I think he's still hitting balls hard as ever. That's not really a concern. He is swinging so much I less than just before. scrolled to that on Vanguard. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I, that this is why you have to take some time. I mean, I know it's hard to find the time too sometimes, but if you start looking at like, okay, the heart rate rates down a little bit. So is the barrel rate. But not it's enough to break rates way up too. Holy crap! Yeah, so the strikeout rate's up, right? So then if you look at, you're like, why is the strikeout rate up? You're looking, he's not chasing more. The swing strike rate is as good as it's actually the best of his career. But the call strikes are up five percent. So you're like, holy crap! He's so passive that he's getting called. He's getting called strikes on the swing rate. It's a second straight season, a third straight season of it dipping. But the first time it's been under forty three percent at any time. So it's thirty seven point seven percent swing rate, league average being forty six percent. But even for him, he's never been under forty percent. So He's being absurdly patient. He's not chasing chase rates a career best and contact. He's doing this while keeping his own contact rate above last year's and overall contact rate up from probably, it's actually a career high contact rate. So, so in theory, looking at Telez, he's swinging less, he's chasing less and he's making more contact. That combination usually leads to better results, but it's almost like he's just being overly patient. He's not attacking pitches in the zone as much. He's not attacking as much pitches. He's seeing more first pitch strikes than usual. His own rate's higher than before because I think pitchers are realizing that he's being passive. So they're attacking the zone and Rowdy hasn't attacked back. But that's the only thing. Like it's a thing that we've, we know he could fix because these are numbers that he's never put up before. So Telez, I'm not too concerned about. It's just a matter of him kind of attacking, being more on the offensive there at the plate versus as being so passive. It's weird because that's the only thing that like, he's pulling the same amount of fly balls as usual. His uh, his like again the barrel hard hit rates are down a little bit, but not terribly. And I think that's because he's just 
swinging less and making less contact. So Telez is it's it's very minor, very so it's one of those things. Almost we go back to was it Josh Naylor we were talking about like just yeah. one little thing. Everything else is there. He's checking boxes. Well, Telez is kind of doing that thing where Telez is still checking all these boxes in terms of like things you want to see in his approach. So I think it's just a matter of a small tweak, a small adjustment. I think we get that for the second half. So okay. I'm still in. I maybe he's a bad. I would bench. I wouldn't drop him, but I would. I, I would bench him until he gets going. But at the, the day, at the end of the day, I've been benching. Can't drop him. At the end of the day, if you look, there's a lot of reasons for optimism, in my opinion. So and if he ever gets going, there's no one on the wire that's going to do what he's going to do for you. No, he can go. He can go off for like a five, six home run week, easy. Like yeah. a week, not just a month. A week. Problem like, is, problem is that weeks. week. That week will probably be on your bench. That's the no, no, part. no, no. That's why you play NFC where you can uh. Oh, the midweeks, the midweeks. Yes. So point. you catch some of it, but yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I think we have him in the OCQ. I'm pretty sure I benched him, but I would. I didn't even think twice about dropping him. So I'm speaking yeah. from experience in 12s, even where where I have where we have him, and I didn't. He hasn't even crossed my mind to drop. So I'm, yeah, I'm starting Nick Prado over him. There you go. I don't. I don't. That'll disagree with that. Uh, last, before we take off here, a little bit of news. Uh, I, I talked about in the first pitch podcast, Jazz Chisholm was supposed to start a rehab assignment at the end of the week. He's starting his rehab assignment on Tuesday. That just came down. So That's we might jazz. get Jazz back by the end of the week type situation. He was running around and taking BP in Miami on Monday. So I wish you'd get him out of center. Well, come back. Yeah, get him out of center. But come back for the weekend. I'd be, I love you, Jazz. I need you, Jazz. <laughs> Please come back, Jazz. Like, I, I literally need that position to be in my lineup. I hope he I mean I would like to think if he's back he's gonna run again but I am skeptical I can't say I'm not skeptical but he's one of those guys that you don't he doesn't play at anything it's 100% or nothing for jazz. Not with you. Not with you. so I think he's still gonna run I just think it's gonna be a pain management thing so if he doesn't run I think it's gonna be he's playing through the pain but if he's but if he's fine or if he's even with a little bit of pain he'll probably get a bunch of cortisone shots the rest of the season but uh because yeah it's 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 rough I mean turf toe look look how bad what's his face judge had turf toe now he has like suddenly it's two ligaments that are sprained or something it's wild it's wild so fun times fun times not, well, as not for all, those managers no no fun times is always though my friend any final thoughts as we are a couple weeks away from the all-star game um i could use a break i i yeah. just i just want my team to get back on track so far so good this week last week was rough fell out of the top 10 we're still hovering around 10th or 12th i think right now so i'm trying to do better not looking and over my and over analyzing it like this week it hurts because i need pitching points but i have only seven start only seven starts this week and like four of them are on wednesday so it's like i get all my starts wednesday through friday and then i get like nothing for the start of the week or over the weekend next week i get 11 starts and it's just the way it is because i'm not streaming pitching right now I'm streaming off my bench and and using my I'm using I'm trying to go for quality over quantity. So it's hard to be patient because I know I need to, you know, I need to stream for strikeouts and wins, but at what for what to crush my ratios. So I'm trying to be patient because if I can just make it another month, like to, to the all-star break, I should get Woodruff back hopefully right around then. Kyle Wright should be joining. And then suddenly I have depth, a lot more depth where I can just stream off my off my bench. Just two starts off my bench as they come, or really good one starts. So that's one. That's the goal I'm trying to get to with my team, but because it's all about hashtag my main, as you all know, <laughs> hashtag my main. Of course, we know how that works. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up there, folks. As always, it's great chat with Mister Curlin. Check him out. Game of the Edge Fantasy Athletic and much, much more. He's on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. Until next time, this was Benjamin with Bubba, episode five ninety four, your week twelve fab recap, and much, much more. Catch y'all later.
way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100 that's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100 prizepicks daily fantasy sports made easy